Welcome back to another episode of the King Gamer Podcast, friends. Today it's just me, your co- your host Tristan Zeldin, and with me Thomas. Uh, we have no one else with us; it's just two two boys, cold and alone. But we'll be, we'll be fine, Thomas. Don't worry. All right, I, mean, I know you're I don't scared. know about you. I'm not cold, but <laughs> I'm pretty good. <laughs> you say so. I don't know. I don't trust you. Um, so we have quite a few stories today to talk about that are pretty uh, interesting. Gabe Newell wants to move Valve and potentially other developers to New Zealand. Uh, Watch Dogs Legion's rewriting parts of its main story for Aiden Pierce. PlayStation's looking into negative feedback about the new party chat system. And a Mass Effect Legendary Edition tr- uh, trilogy has been reported. So we'll see if that's true. Um, and then we'll also round off everything talking about acquisitions in the industry. You might, for like long-time listeners and such, you might realize this sounds really familiar because we did talk about the whole Microsoft thing in a previous episode a few weeks ago, but we're going to go a little bit deeper into the nuance about big companies buying the little guy sort of thing. But let's start because we were actually ready to talk about this before we started recording about the mass effect legendary trilogy i was trying to ask you a question but then like i was like wait we're not recording i don't want to talk about it yet but um so this report comes from jimatsu is that how you pronounce that i've always seen that website uh i was thinking more like gematsu i don't know (laughs) but jimatsu makes more sense like a gem so you people know what we're talking about um this is reported from sal romano the game uh, has been rated from the Game Rating and Administration Committee of Korea. Um, it's announced, it's rated the unannounced Mass Effect Legendary Edition. It's said to have been delayed from previously going to release late 2020. Obviously, we're in October and this game's still not official yet. So early 2021 is the supposed release date. And if this game ends up being a thing... Uh, it will come out for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Um, Thomas, what's your what's your history with Mass Effect? So Mass Effect is the reason I failed a semester of college. Um, what? <laughs> so no joke. Okay, I can blame it on Mass Effect, but it was me. But um, so pretty much for one of the semesters of college, I did nothing but play Mass Effect. Like I started a new like campaign on one and just went all the way through all three of them and <laughs> i did not go to class that entire semester because of it. <laughs> my god what's wrong with you but um i mean it's been remedied since then but um uh-huh. yeah believe. it's it's um that's like just fantastic and i've actually really been itching because i have all three of them still um, I've really been itching to go through them again, but I did pop. I did pop the first one in not too long ago, and it like, it. I mean, the game is obviously still good, but it it's starting to get a bit dated. Like it, it's starting to look and feel very dated. So I, I'm really hoping this remaster kind of fixes a lot of issues. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I am actually excited to see if this actually comes through. I think a lot of people were saying that in seven days, so like November seventh is a pretty good date to announce that on so well fingers crossed i guess yeah and in what ways is the first game a little dated um so it kind of so it has a lot of pop in for me i i mean i don't know i was playing it on my xbox one um and i mean that's a backwards compatible title i don't know how it would look on a 360 right now but um graphics i had a lot of pop in and also, it just was very, it felt very static. Like the characters' designs, like the models and everything were just very static and like felt very confined versus like the more natural looking characters that we have nowadays. Um, oh, okay. But, yeah, things like that. Uh, but I mean, obviously, the game is still like, like Mass Effect and it's still going to be good, but you can just definitely playing through it now, you can still feel how, how old it's starting to get. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I, I don't have much history to it. I only ever played the first one. Even then, I never beat it. I only played like some of it. I have actually wanted to play through the whole trilogy, um, but like recently, I've been itching to do so. It's just like there's so many games that I'm playing right now and are coming out. I don't want to touch it. But if this ends up being a thing, I'll probably just like buy this, and I'm like, okay, cool. It's like I have all games, and I can actually jump in and whatnot. 
Um, because especially like I know it's Mass Effect Two, I believe, is the one that everyone says is like the best one. Oh, it's insane! I I can't believe you've actually not like finished any of them. They're so good, like they're insanely good. What do you feel about three though? Because I know three's divisive because of the ending. Uh, I actually really enjoyed three too. I mean, like, like people are always gonna like not like things. Um, and it was hard. Uh, I this was one of those things where like once i finished it i felt completely emotionally drained so for like three days i was like kind of in like a depressed hole um just because like i had just spent like an entire semester like going through this and then it was just over um but i mean like like it had to end somewhere uh and i don't think like it, it kind of gives you like you know like there are different endings so like things can definitely turn out differently as well so i I mean i don't think the ending was bad at all i think people were just kind of disappointed that it ended it was more or less like where where that ends up but three i mean three was great i it had it was it was starting to get to so like i'm very thankful that it came around when it did because you could tell it was starting to get the uh the ea treatment so like if there had been another one i feel like it would definitely not have been successful or it would have kind of ruined the series. Like it kind of did like the dead space three thing where it was like, Oh no. Yeah. Like they threw in like a multiplayer component that just was horrendous and like all sorts of things were going on with it. That was like, uh, but it was, it was just early in enough to like where EA started to just like turn all their games into that nonsense that I feel like it didn't really falter too much. Um, but yeah, it, it was like I'm thinking back to it, and it's just like the things that that carried over from like the first game. Like there were decisions you could make in the first game that would wholly affect things that were happening in the third game. Like entire characters and character arcs could be gone. Like just all sorts of nonsense. Like it was so good, man. Like those games are incredible. Yeah, I do love like stuff like that. I think that's really cool. Did you ever play uh, Andromeda? I did. I put about 70 hours into Andromeda. Wow. Okay, so um, you did like it. it, Yeah, it was good. Uh, It it wasn't as good as the first three by any means, but it was still good, and I like just having, like, more Mass Effect to play. Uh, Yeah. But it definitely had had a lot of, like... I think think my biggest complaint with it was, like, the story beats, like, the issues with, like, where, where and why things were happening the way they were happening. And I think that's just kind of... Like, I, I enjoy, like... I don't know, like, I guess astronomy. And so, like, like if you think about, like, how galaxies work, I guess, and I'm, I don't want to go on too big of a tangent here, but if you think about, how, like, how galaxies work, if you, you were to go to a different galaxy, there wouldn't be humanoid aliens there. But in this game, like, in the Andromeda galaxy, there are different humanoid aliens that, for some reason, we can communicate with. And it just, it seemed really weird. But, you know, and I mean, it was still good. I put a lot of time into it and enjoyed it. Oh, that's what matters. So, do you think this uh, legendary edition thing is going to be true? Then, but we'll see it in the near future. I really hope so. I, mean, I think N seven, like like I said, November seventh is like N seven day. So, yeah, I mean that would be the perfect time to announce a remaster for it. Yeah, and I think it's been rumored for so long. Plus, this rating from Korea does sound pretty legit. So. I think it's very likely, if not like completely uh, true, that we will be getting this this game. Um, it just who knows uh, all the details of like, is it like a remaster? Uh, how much are they really going into things? Like you said, there's some very poorly aged things. Like, how is it going to look um, and feel? I think it's another big thing is like if they. Uh, enhance the gameplay and stuff like that so i think it'll be really interesting um i'll definitely pick it up regardless though if we can get a release date soon um because i've always wanted to play those games and i'll keep you posted too uh so for our next story though uh watchdogs legions rewriting parts of the main story i have an article up from ign from joe scrubbles Uh, i hope i'm pronouncing your last name correctly if you're not listening to us it's fine uh, so rewriting uh, the rewriting cut seems to fit Aiden's personality and character into different scenes and storylines if you're playing as him. So it's less like people thought they were kind of changing the whole story, but it's really they're adapting the story 
just so in case you're playing Aiden, you really do feel like he's in that world and such. Um, but uh, I think it's just, I don't know. I think they're really going hard on the whole, like, hey, you get to play as Aiden Pierce. But, like, I don't know anyone who likes that character at all. Like, that was, like, one of the main criticisms of the first game, outside of it looking completely different from its E3 demo, which looked incredible. And it was a downgrade, but also, like, people just didn't care about him at all. Um, did you play, like, any of the first Watch Dogs? I 100% completed both Watch Dogs. I really enjoyed oh, Watch Dogs. Yeah, so, yeah, well, I mean, Aiden wasn't the most interesting character in the world. He was very, like, plain Jane, generic, just, like, I have a troubled past and I did something terrible and now I want to make amends. Like, yeah, like, like I feel like that fits a lot of like Ubisoft protagonists, but um, yeah, like, I mean, it is exciting that we get to play as Aiden again. Like we get to see him again in the universe. Like he was, there was like a cameo of him, like a mission where you meet him in Watch Dogs 2. And like, that was great. Like, it was like, cool. Like, Hey, Aiden's around doing shit still. Like, that's cool. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, he really wasn't that liked, and I don't know why they are, like, <laughs> like pushing it so hard. But um, what I am interested in, though, is, so in this article, they talk about, I, I didn't know this was a thing, but he is getting his whole, whole DLC, but it says that the dedicated DLC will have Wrench in it. And Wrench was a character from Watch Dogs 2 who was, like, absolutely loved. Like, everybody loved Wrench. Like, he was, like, the opposite Aiden, like... So I'm actually excited more for Wrench being in the DLC and hoping that we get more Wrench. Like maybe he's a playable character as well in Legion because that would be insanely cool. Yeah, I think that'll be interesting. I played the entire first game. I really enjoyed the gameplay. I thought the story was very whatever, which is general consensus of that game. But um, and I actually started playing Watch Dogs 2 earlier this year. And I just couldn't get myself through it. I just really didn't. I just don't like. I just don't think Ubisoft does a good job on its writing and storytelling. Like overall, especially when you compare to like other major studios in the industry, um, at like at that are at their size. I just I don't like their tone. I never like their characters. I think the stories are very forgettable. Um, so I I couldn't get myself through Watch Dogs too. I'm not even gonna play Watch Dogs Legion to be honest. But um, yeah, I I do think like that is like I remember seeing wrench in there and like people being like, oh cool, this is like this is a character we actually like, and I'm like, man, wouldn't it be cool if they just like kind of focused on connecting Legion to Watch Dogs two rather than connecting it to the first game also because just no one like I have not read anyone who's like ecstatic about being like, oh Aiden Pierce, yeah, uh, it's it's just kind of like it's cool, um. I think uh, Watch Dogs, I mean, to your point of, like, them not doing well with story, like, I don't want to say they never do well with story. Like, some of the Assassin's Creed games have some of the best stories I've heard, like, or I've played. But I think that, um, I don't know, it's, I think they're better as sandbox games. Like, like, just kind of like a GTA or like a Saints Row where you just go in and you can just, like, kill whoever you want steal whatever you want blow th- blow things up like i think it's better as like a sandbox like that rather than like a story-based like rpg yeah. or whatever you know oh i agree yeah i think like the open world elements of watchdogs too is like really cool and i really liked san francisco as a map uh, that was like it was so interesting and such a, a great like world to play in and such like that's one of the big takeaways i got from the second game um, and I think the world looks really cool for Legion because they're in London, right? Um, so I think it's it's it has a lot of potential. Uh, I just think, and I think it's cool that they are trying to connect all three games, but they're really like doubling down on like, look, you can play as Aiden Pierce, and everyone's like, uh, all right, all right, can I can I just focus on Wrench or any other character? Um, but you know, like if pe- uh, people are excited for it, and it comes out really soon uh like what like a couple weeks the, right the 29th yeah i i actually have it pre-ordered so i gotta pick it up in nine days i actually forgot about that oh d- damn well we'll have to hear your thoughts like maybe like a, a week afterwards just to hear your thoughts of like okay you've gotten x amount of hours like 
what you think and such, especially compared to the other games. But uh, for people who are interested, it comes out basically all the consoles, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, S, Xbox One, Google Stadia, PC, all that jazz. So October 29th. So by the time people listen to this, it will be exactly a week um, from that day. So um, that's exciting. It'll be very cool. It'll be very interesting to see how that game performs and does. Also, I'll be interested to know if there's any statistics on how many people actually are playing as Aiden throughout their whole campaign or people who are just like, nah, I don't want to play as him. But we'll see. Um, It'll be very interesting to see. for our next story, though, uh, PlayStation is looking into negative feedback about the party system because they kind of changed up how that whole thing works. I have an, or an IGN article from Jordan Ullman. So the new system, it combines the party and message features uh, all into like one. So it's kind of complicated inviting people. That's like the main thing people are having issues with. Like now you need to open a message group to invite your friends to create a party. And it's kind of like parties usually are used just to chat with your friends, not be like in game and such. And so I guess it's made uh, options a little bit more limited. I've not played with this at all. Like I haven't seen anything of it because I sold my PlayStation a couple of weeks ago preparing for the PS5, which I don't even have pre-ordered. So I guess dumb decision on my part, but still um, I have no reason for my PS4. But uh, yeah, I'd, I've heard a lot of complaints, but I haven't actually been able to use it myself and get like my own thoughts on the new changes. Um, have you played with the the new party system at all for PlayStation? I have not. I don't. So I have my PlayStation and I play it regularly, but I pretty much only play exclusives on there and they don't really have like multiplayer exclusive, like nothing that I'm interested in anyways, as far as like multiplayer exclusives go. So I, I don't think I've ever partied up with anybody i don't even pay for playstation plus because i don't ever play multiplayer games so oh wow (laughs) yeah um i'm i will say though like genshin impact i've been playing that on ps4 and i've been partying up with my friend who plays on pc but i don't it doesn't use the party system in ps4 i don't think i think it's just all done in game like in genshin impact so i I okay so genshin impact has its own a proprietary thing or whatever yeah like you just team up in game rather than like having to party up like in playstation so yeah interesting okay yeah um, i've heard a lot of different complaints about it but like they said they're looking into it they're going to work on it i know there's other um confusion regarding like the changes they're making because there's gonna be like a new whole new uh reporting system and people are like oh playstation's gonna be like I don't know, people had like all these thoughts about like PlayStation spying on them or like t- or PlayStation reporting people themselves when it's like no, you're you re- you can report them for saying things and doing things. Um and it'll go to like a, a dedicated like uh team to uh make sure that people aren't like breaking uh rules or anything like that. So it is there's been a lot of uh issues with clarity on playstation's end about these things but i think it will get cleared up and uh, i don't know i i I don't think people should be like overly worried i think it's just like yeah all consoles do this where they'll have an update for something and everyone's confused then they clear things up in the next update you know or they refine that update um a little bit more so i don't know i don't don't think there's gonna be any any issues in the next like couple months or whatever i think some people are just gonna have to push through um until things get uh better yeah i think Um, i mean i think like just as like there's always going to be like issues so like i mean as as these new generation consoles come out and like updates start coming around like like there's always going to be problems like xbox is just now launching their new like app and they have like um a ton of like new features coming to the dashboard like they're adding like dynamic themes and things like that so like of course, there's going to be problems along the way. So it, it only makes sense that, like, maybe PlayStation ran into a bump with, like, this new update. So, yeah, I mean, they'll obviously fix it, though. Yeah, for sure. Um, so our final story is Gabe Newell wants to move Valve and potentially other developers to New Zealand. Um, this comes from PC Gamer by uh, Fraser Brown. So Newell has actually been in New Zealand since March. So pretty much the whole year he's been in uh, New Zealand, which as of 
we're recording right now, they've been about three weeks uh, without a single COVID case. Because um, I know they they went they went completely clean with COVID cases. Then I think something popped up, and then then they got that cleared up, and now they're good. Um, and so he's been wanting to meet their prime minister, uh, Jacinda Ardern, I think is how you pronounce her name. Uh, he wants to like talk with actually meet with her and talk about like moving valve and potentially other developers into the country because working from home in a the in the games industry is like brutal like trying to make a video game from home is like extremely difficult it's why we've seen so many games get delayed and pushed back especially games that um can't get done in the next couple of months you know games that are like a little bit further out like we got in uh outriders we talked about last week got delayed um because of covid and uh newell even says actually that 50 to 75 percent of valve's productivity has gone down because of this and they've not been able to find any sort of solution of working from home so because they do have actually games that they're developing yet again as they've uh as valve has said so uh, I can see why we may have to wait a little bit longer for whatever the next games are. So I think it's a really interesting solution to just go like, hey, let's just go to this country that doesn't have a deadly virus in it because the cases in the U.S. are just going up and up and up. And there's still some European countries that are really struggling too. So um, I totally see a reasonable uh, uh, solution to go to be like, oh, all right, let's go to this country. Uh, it, it's just gonna be tough just because you're moving people and their families, and like, there's all there's a whole lot of uh, obstacles to go through. So I think it makes sense to him be like, I just want to talk to their leader and figure this out. Uh, what are your thoughts? It's w- weird. I I think <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's just like, oh man like this sucks right now and like yeah it does suck right now like that like it can't be like good like on anybody like to have to like do so much work from home and then it's you're it like it, it must feel like i'm doing so much work from home but it's not even like an optimal amount of work like i'm doing so much work and i'm not even doing the same like getting the same output that i would if i was like in a studio you know um, yeah you probably don't have like the same equipment or whatever yeah right. so i mean it has to be frustrating but like to just consider like for like a temporary thing that the virus is and granted like i understand that it could still be around for another like year even but like for a temporary thing to just like permanently move your studio to like a new country is kind of odd i think so um i mean like if that's really what they want to do like then i guess do it um i also wonder if this is a temporary move like just until like things abate in the u.s or if like they'll move their permit like if it's like a permanent stay you know uh but yeah i I think it's really odd honestly yeah i think it's i totally get where he's coming from and i think it's an overall like a decent idea to try like or at least like mindset to have of like okay we're not getting a good like output of our work how can we adjust to this and then because he's living there and he sees how it is firsthand. You know, he's not like living in the U.S. since hears that they're that uh, COVID cases are free there. He's like experiencing that country because it's more than just like oh they're free of COVID cases. This is like it's a completely completely different system of like laws and like how healthcare works and like all these different things. That's like it's a big deal if you're going to a new country and you don't know how anything works in that uh in that country so right, and it's it's another thing is like it's not just like a she says yes you can move over here and then you're over there in a week like you have to like find a student like a building for your studio you have to like make sure it's up to code you have to put all of the equipment and everything that you need in there plus you also have to make sure that all of your developers and everybody else can move over there like it's th- that's a long process and I feel yeah. like by the time that they go through the entire process of moving to New Zealand, like everything will be fine to just stay here. Like it's it's not just an easy move, you know? It's so weird to me. Yeah. Um. So I just quickly like made a Google search. So I don't know how uh, accurate this is, but a court, but 
apparently they have like roughly like 360 employees since 2016. Um, you know, who knows how, like how, how much they really have or whatever, but it's like, yeah, it's like, let's just say that that's how much they really have, you know, in terms of employees, maybe they have more or less, who knows, but they have 360 employees that get to move that many people to, uh, a country and, and their like, families and their families. Yeah, exactly. Um, you also like, cause it's, there's also like potentially, um, you have like other developers. He's kind of, he's a little bit vague in the actual like, uh, report and such about like everything, but it's like, if he's talking about other developers too, not just valve, like there's just like, yeah, it's just like, the scale of all that is so is so great, and even if you're just looking at Valve, it's still a major company. And it's just like they're based in uh, Washington, so it's like you literally have to go across the entire planet, you know, just like to move all these people. Like you said, yeah, have studio equipment. You have to find a building, get the housing, and like God knows how much. I like I'm sure it's it's doable, you know. It's not like they have thousands of employees or or whatnot. And we don't know what their their current workload is looks like because I know they've teased that they're working on several games, but we don't know the state of those games and like all the, like there's so many factors into it. It's hard to imagine it, but I do think his like his heart's in the right place and such. But like you said, for how long though? Like, are you gonna really move people? to a new country for a year less than a year and then be like all right we're gonna go back to washington you know it's like and getting visas and stuff like that too like there's just there's like a million things that you have to go through and i'm sure that like they have the people they have people who work on that stuff and like who are like okay like this is what we're gonna do and whatnot they have like whole departments and if he meets with their leader, uh, the prime minister, then sure, there's like, you know, like they're taking the right steps, but I'm like, how? <laughs> and for how long, like you said? Yeah, I just think they should probably just avoid doing that and just stay the course. I mean, like, I don't know. That, that just seems like such a, an extreme thing to do. In my yeah, opinion. and Gabe Newell, like he... Like it's fine for him because that dude is filthy rich, like unbelievably. Uh, like I think he's like considered to be like the wealthiest person in the games industry. Um, I think Forbes or somewhere, somewhere like that. I think it was Forbes uh, did a whole article about like how much money that dude has, and it's utterly uh, insane. So yeah, I he, think it totally makes sense that he's that he can, you know, right guys, I'm gonna go live in New Zealand for the next seven months or whatever rather than being like oh your employee who's like look who's on the lowest position at valve who's making x amount a year has to be like oh cool i have to i have to move across the planet with my family and such it's like i don't know it's not i don't think it's reasonable to expect that from your whole company um Maybe move like or maybe a team like who are willing to and can actually make the move, you know. But I can't imagine just expecting all your employees to do that. But you know, we'll see. He he still needs to get up that that meeting with uh with her. So I'm I'm gonna be super curious to um keep up with this story and see what developments are it's like it's like oh gabriel does get to meet with her and she says no you know or whatever so um yeah yeah, we'll we'll see so that was just from his like i guess he had a zoom call with jeff and i remember seeing this picture actually it was like jeff had like posted a picture he's like had an interesting zoom call today it was like gabe and like phil spencer and like a couple of the people just like in this one zoom call and i was like what in the hell is happening <laughs> so so um but that's where this is from like this story is from is like yeah i guess that's what they were talking kind of talking about a little bit in there so but yeah it, it'll just well i mean we'll see i don't think it's gonna really cultivate into anything yeah yeah exactly but kudos yeah Something might pop up. Um, I think I just saw the the image that you had posted. 
but yeah, it's just like it's just like a ton of like major people in the industry and stuff like that. I, oh, okay. there's like yeah, there's another one. It's just like Gabe Newell, and then it's um, yeah, I don't recognize some of these other names though. But yeah, Phil Spencer's in there and such. So people can if people follow Jeff Keighley on Twitter, you can scroll down. He has a photo from October 18th is when uh, this whole thing kind of took place. But uh, yeah, uh, well, good luck, Gabe Newell. Uh, Good luck on uh, meeting New Zealand's prime minister and getting your whole company to move there for however long. I don't know. Maybe you're a New Zealand based company now. But um, let's get to our main topic, though. So. You suggested this. Um, you want to talk about acquisitions. So, Thomas, lead us into it. Yeah, so I, I was just kind of thinking of, like, when, I don't know, like, thinking about, like, how the industry is working right now. And so, like, when the Bethesda acquisition happened, like, obviously, everybody was, like, blown away and shocked and just, like, all sorts of different emotions and everything going on. We were, like, confused, honestly. <laughs> we are like, what the hell do you mean? But, um it just made me think about like how and why acquisitions happen, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it kind of just fell into the fact that like the in like the, like there, there can definitely be like a sentiment and there is a sentiment where people don't want studios to be acquired by big publishers. Like we have, like we think about like publishers like EA Activision, um, obviously Microsoft, Sony and Nintendo, and then like like we think about that and we're like okay well yeah i don't want them to just buy up all the different studios that you know are for sale but thinking about it like the industry is always growing like there are always new studios coming in to the industry like i mean anything can happen like for instance mediatonic is a huge company now that they're the ones that made fall guys and there's like this huge studio that's sitting out there with like a gold mine under them more or less you know so yeah. like like you have to think that like as new and studios pop up whether they're indie or triple a or maybe they start indie and they move into the triple a sphere because they come out with a hit game like things like that are always going to be happening and if these studios aren't being acquired or picked up by bigger publishers where they have that safety net then they're all like there's always going to be the chance that these studios are just going to fail like they will they will always have in the back of their head we could just fall apart at any time, you know, yeah. like sure. Media tonic did well with fall guys now, but what <laughs> happens in four years or five years when fall guys is no longer popular and their next game doesn't even capture close to the same amount of success, you know, like they're going to either have to fall through or they're going to have to be acquired by a publisher. And so I get that. Like the sentiment out there is we don't want people just buying up studios left and right. But we also need studios to not shut down because yeah. there are so many flooding into this industry all the time. I mean, I couldn't tell you the number of indie studios that shut down every year because they just they don't make it. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. and it's a shame, but that's just the sad fact, I, I believe. Um, but yeah, I mean, like there are pros and cons to it on both sides. Like, I mean, <laughs> we we can go into it, um, but. I, it's just it's um it's a little odd to for people to say like well that's bad that microsoft did that but at the same time we have to think that bethesda wasn't doing so hot like there was a reason why they were, were okay with being acquired and it was probably a financial issue um at the end of the day so um i mean there's, there's just there's definitely definitely a lot of ways to look at it um but what i mean like what kind of take do you have i guess I think it's good and bad. Like you said, like these companies can fall through and um, you have like basically a bigger company like, hey, let's help you out. Like, because if you're looking at Microsoft, because like that is kind of like the lens we're looking through is because Microsoft bought ZeniMax. Um, people focus on Bethesda, but really it's ZeniMax. And it's like, it, there's a lot right. more studios involved than just that. Um, and so I think it's less about Bethesda being okay with it and more of, how Zenimax as a whole is doing rather than just Bethesda, even though Bethesda is the biggest company under that umbrella. Um, and I think, yeah, sure. Bethesda probably was struggling with like, they had some 
issues here and there, but I, I don't think it was catastrophic. I don't think they were at the point where they needed someone to come in, swoop in, and save them. Like, sure, some games have underperformed and stuff like that. I think it was Dishonor 2 for Arcane. Um, Prey for Arcane also didn't uh, perform well. Fallout 76 has its issues and such, but the game is still like actually like on a good path right now and actually is, is doing pretty well for, for what it is, despite um, a rough launch. Um, I think it's, I think it's good as long as the publisher or like whoever, like the bigger companies that's buying, like in this case, Microsoft, how they treat the people that they've bought. Cause Microsoft has had issues with that before. Um, when Microsoft owned Bungie, like there's constant horror stories and like they really fought their way out of that hold because they were making, they were being forced to make decisions they did not want to make. But then they made the same mistake by going towards Activision. And Activision was the exact same way, if not worse. And then now they're like, you have all these stories of people coming out being like, from Bungie being like, man, that was awful being owned by Microsoft. But it was even worse being owned by Activision. So you do hear these horror stories. It does make you worry. But um, I think right now, I, I feel comfortable if we're looking at the Bethesda Zenimax thing. Um, sure, there's the worry of like how is it going to affect for games coming to PlayStation when it, when it comes to like the next Fallout or the next Elder Scrolls. So I totally get those um, worries that people have, but I do think overall, like I tr- I trust Phil Spencer, and he's even has said a lot of good things of being like, hey, we're gonna let them do their thing, okay? Like we're just here to support them and what they need. Um, terms of production support or whatever it may be so they're not like gonna be like no you need to make this creative decision for the next doom or whatever or you need to make a prey too even though prey didn't do that well or you know god knows whatever decisions people are worried that they'll make you know like i i don't think people need to worry about that necessarily um i totally get why people are so against it like like you've seen like the discourse around Microsoft buying Zenimax, like that happened over a month ago, and people are still like debating whether it was good or bad. Um, if anyone's interested who's listening, actually, we do have a, an opinion piece from Joshua Robertson, um, right on King Gamer about how buying Bethesda, Microsoft buying Bethesda is catastrophic for the entire industry. So if you want to read what he thought, what he thinks, it's it's an interesting read for sure. Um, so, so you do have like that discourse of people like Josh being like, oh, this is really bad. And then you have people who don't think that way. Um, but I think overall, though, as long as creative freedom is with in- integrity remains for the developer, and the parent company is respectful of that, then I think, why not? Sure, yeah, go go help these uh, struggling companies. But I do think we need to kind of look at the lens of like what you said, the indies. Yeah, there's all. So I think one of the biggest issues, and I think this is, I remember reading Josh's article, and I think one of the main things that he said is that it sets a precedent, and it's like, sort of like it, it sort of does, but one thing that we need to we need to as gamers remember is that this stuff costs money um the purchase of of Zenimax was 7.5 billion dollars and while yes like that is a lot of money how many publishers actually have 7.5 billion dollars to just buy a giant studio like that outright you know yeah. So like while you can say, oh, it's just going to set a precedent where everybody is just all the big publishers are going to consolidate and buy all of the studios. It's like there's there's not enough money in the industry to do that. Like, yeah. you, like there's not going to be just five or six big publishers that own everything. Like there's no way that can happen. Um, I mean, Microsoft, I think, has the biggest market share of any other studio, like any other company in the industry, right? And even yeah. they couldn't like, I mean, they bought Bethesda, but there's no way that, you know, Satya Nadella is going to be like, all right, now go buy the Warner Bros. Studios. And then, you know, and Sony has like a third of the market cap that Microsoft has. And from there, you're only going down like EA, Activision, like while they're huge and they are worth billions of dollars. Yes, 
they're nowhere near like the amount of money where they can just drop like billions and billions of dollars on studios. So while you can say, yes, it will set a dangerous precedent, sort of, um, the precedent isn't just going to be like all over the place all at once. Like you're talking like maybe we'll see something like this again in another decade, but you're not going to see it next year or the year after that. So uh, I, that's just another thing that is kind of I've seen in the discourse, I guess, around this um, that just it really didn't make sense to me, but I can see where people would be worried about it. Yeah, for sure. Like it, it's one of those things where it's just like, sure, it could send a precedent. Like Josh could t- totally be right, but I don't think it's going to be at that scale. You know, like, like you said, it's like, who has all that money? Like Sony, sure. Sony has a lot of money, but is Sony going to buy like eight, you know, drop $7.5 billion to buy a major studio no way there's zero way you know um like maybe we'll see them do a whole big acquisition but it's not gonna be to that scale um like they bought uh insomniac uh a couple years ago and that was not even a billion dollars that was 229 million uh which i don't think insomniac is a billion dollar company you know i love insomniac they're one of my favorite developers but who the hell is going to spend that much money on Ratchet and Clank and Spider-Man. But um, I do think there, it could be a good and bad. Like I think the insomnia, I think is a super interesting thing to look at in terms of this discourse too, because that was met with a lot of positivity. It makes sense though, because like they make primarily PlayStation games outside of like sunset overdrive and maybe one other game they've made in the last 20 years or whatever. It's not been a PlayStation exclusive. But not only does that make sense, but but it it's one of those things where it's a completely different uh, sort of mindset to have, you know, when you bu- when Sony buys Insomniac versus buying Zenimax. So it's one thing to buy a uh, a studio like an individual studio buying a parent company that owns like however many uh studios you know like under that umbrella is like a completely different thing and i think people have been focused on companies buying publishers in this discourse rather than buying like individual developers um so it's like people are like oh but what if sony buys ubisoft you or square enix or whatever i'm like no that's not gonna happen those are giant companies that develop games also publish them too and like those are just completely different beasts to uh look at and i think yeah yeah yeah, sorry go ahead oh yeah um I, i think it's just yeah like i mean definitely like you said like a purchase of just insomniac is different from a purchase of like the entirety of square enix not only in cost but just in all of the moving parts and the personnel and everything that goes into that right because when you when you're buying because so Sony and Insomniac have already had that relationship where Sony is the publisher and um, Insomniac is just the studio that makes the games, right? But now you have this whole deal of if Sony is a publisher and they buy Square Enix, who is also a publisher, do all of those people that their only job is publishing, are they now like laid off? Are they incorporated into the Sony arm of publishing? Like what happens to all those people? And that's, I mean, that was one of the questions around like the ZeniMax deal was, you know, what's going to happen to like the publishing arm of ZeniMax? And I mean, for right now, like the answer is, you know, they're also self-publishing, but how long is that going to be, you know, an actual thing? Like, is that only going to happen until all of the games that they were already working on are kind of published and out the door? Or is it going to be a thing where, you know, after only a couple of games, like they're going to dissolve that publishing arm. Cause I mean, the reason, like, I think I can safely assume that the reason that they are still self publishing is just that they didn't want to purchase this and then lay off, you know, a hundred, 200, 300, however many people that were part of that publishing side of things. See, so, yeah, it, it is a very different thing when you're buying a publisher from a, a developer. Um, Another thing is you when you're buying like a publisher like that, like you're buying all of it outright, um, it's it's going to be way more expensive in the fact that you're also buying all of the IP that go along with it. Because IP is what makes these publishers and developers 
worth money, right? Yeah. So like you were saying, like spite they like Insomniac, for instance, has Spider-Man and Ratchet and Clank. But I mean, how far like how much are those franchises actually worth in the end of, of the day, right? Yeah. So um I think it would also be very like to Um, sorry, real quick. Um, I I think it would be very like interesting to see like, I like I would like to see like the net worth I guess of Square Enix. But you, when you're gonna buy Square Enix, you are also buying Final Fan the Final Fantasy IP, right? And how much is that worth? Like that thing is probably worth a lot more than the Elder Scrolls IP is, right? Um, yeah. So like, there's just there's so much that goes into it. Uh, but yeah, it's I think it's just. It's just a weird conversation to have when there's no real precedent for it before, I guess. Like, there's never really been, like... Like, there we've seen, like, maybe the Activision and Blizzard merger. It wasn't really an acquisition. It was, like, they just kind of, like, partnered up and became Activision Blizzard. But uh, I think this is kind of the first real step where we've seen a major publisher buy another major publisher. Yeah, I think that's where it becomes interesting and also just to circle back to what you said because you you said you weren't sure how much uh square enix is i looked it up their net worth as of i think this was as of uh right now i think or or like the last like month or so but they're roughly for us dollars like 174 million dollars or at least for us dollars of course they have they're a japanese company so it's like 18 billion yen is what they're japanese uh currency uh so that's just uh, oh. uh, one. so what I, what i'm seeing and this is from november 7th of 2019 it says that they're worth 5.56 billion dollars oh okay and of course like that's not their like that's not how much you spend to buy them like you're obviously going to spend more than that to buy them because you like because you, you have final fantasy dragon quest kingdom hearts like there's a yeah. lot that goes behind like Square Enix if we're just talking about Square Enix, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's yeah, it's like and then you have Tomb Raider on top of that. You now they have the Avengers game is under their umbrella because of Crystal Dynamics. So it's like Yeah, and just cause I think uh no, just cause is under Avalanche. I think Avalanche is owned uh they have their own thing going on actually. But still it's just like um yeah, it's it's on a scale like I, I think it's more focused on indies, I think is the big thing. Cause there has been like some smaller studios that have been bought up too and totally have like have said positive have had positive experiences. Um I know like they've been a big initiative for both PlayStation and for um so uh, Microsoft is to focus on the indies. Cause indies you, you said this way, way, way earlier, but it's like some of these indie studios are like putting out games that are like triple a status like you would look at it and go wow this is a triple a game and you're like oh no it's made by like us like 10 people or whatever you know like i i think of like hello games making uh no man's sky which at first sure was a disaster but now it's like quite a successful game you know but that game like you look at that game and go wow this is like this is the scale of this like you know like billions and billions of plants all this stuff like this must be like a triple a studio like a thousand employees all this stuff and it's like no there's a small little indie uk studio you know it's like stuff like that is like speaks to how the indie scene has changed so much so when a big studio wants to look and buy up a smaller studio it's a completely different conversation than it was like 10 15 20 years ago um i think the lens has changed of like what it means to be indie today. And I think that is also a huge part of these acquisitions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, like we've said, we, I've, I've seen a lot of sentiment where people don't want these acquisitions to happen. And I mean, that's a fair sentiment, but the reality is like, they kind of have to happen a lot of times and in an ideal world, you know, these, maybe these publishers are only buying up, you know, some of these indie studios, but, again that isn't that isn't reality like it just it can't really happen that way sometimes um yeah i mean like there are obviously like 
ideal acquisitions where somebody like Sony buys Insomniac and you're like, well, I'm surprised that they weren't bought like 20 years ago since they've been yeah. making games for them for a few decades. But, um, you know, there's simple things like that. And then, you know, but there are also more complex things like Cinemax or, um, you know, EA buying into uh, or I'm sorry, Activision trying to acquire Bungie. And then, you know, like there's there's always like weird, complex things like that. So, um, yeah. And like so Bungie's actually can we talk about Bungie real quick? <laughs> sure. Actually, a, a weird studio um as far as like acquisitions and partnerships and all sorts of things go and that they have floated around and done pretty much everything you could think a studio could do um they started up in like i believe it was chicago and they were just they were indie like they were just like this indie studio and one day um they talked to seamus blackley and they found like you know he saw like what they were doing with halo and they were like hey i think you should come with us over to Washington and work on it there. And they did. And, you know, obviously like the rest is hit kind of history with how Halo went. And we've since seen, you know, they have been acquired by Microsoft and left Microsoft, like they've left that acquisition. Right. And then they were, I, what was it? They were acquired or were they just partnered with Activision? Right. Um, I, it was something like that. I can't quite remember the the exact like verbiage you would use. You know, um, like a but, deep partnership, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're fully acquired, but it was definitely like at least a partnership, um, to say the least. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you've got like something like that where they've they've gone from a first party like publisher, and then they moved to a third party publisher. And then now they have moved off and they are once again independent. Um, but now they are, rather than being an indie independent, they are a AAA independent and they are self-publishing themselves. So it's Bungie is one of those really oddball cases. Um, and I mean, I guess that's kind of the dream for studios is like to be a fully independent AAA studio and not have to rely on anybody else. But um, that's, I mean, that's one in... Like, I want to say like one in a million, like I, I can't think of another studio that's kind of gone that route and has, you know, fallen into being able to do that, you know? Yeah. And it was uh, actually we actually had a, someone come out about from an ex Bungie employee came out and it was like the composer of the Halo games. I think he worked on the music for Destiny or Destiny. Mario Dono? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came out about that like stuff and he. Because uh, he was, he got fired from them and from uh, them. Supposedly, he said because of uh, because he he was speaking out against Activision. He was part of their board directors for Bungie and all this stuff, and he got axed. Um, he won a shit ton of money from uh, suing them for doing that. But he even said like he was just, like he he saw how bad with the, everyone in a lot, a lot of the employees at Bungie were like, man. Microsoft, that was really bad. We we can't do that again with like a deep partnership or acquisition from a major studio because that was just not a good experience. And then Activision was like, "Hey guys, want to come over here?" And he was like, "Don't do it! Don't do it! Don't do it! This is gonna be really bad." And the higher ups at Bungie didn't listen to him, and uh, they had all these issues from Activision pushing things on them regarding Destiny and Destiny Two, and. Uh, then he was just like, I fucking told you guys, you know, he's like, it was this whole, th it was this whole thing of like, for, it's like almost like an addict, you know, like you, you mess up, you, you go towards your drug of choice, bad things happen because of that. And then you go right back to it, you know, and it was, yeah, Bungie's a weird studio. I don't know why. I hope they never go back to that because I think it, it was not healthy for them um, now that they're kind of free. Um, whenever they do the next thing for Destiny, whether it's a new game or build upon Destiny 2, they can do that without having those constraints from uh, Activision, which I know a lot of people were super happy when they broke away, actually, and people who play Destiny are part of the Destiny community were like, oh, thank God, like now we can uh, get on a better path, because there was a lot of mistakes with both Destiny games when they both launched, and 
they kind of made the same mistake with both games because the first game launched as a disaster. There was a lot of issues. Then they redeemed themselves. But then Destiny 2, it's like they forgot all the, the mistakes that they had made and redid well, a lot of the mistakes. Well, Destiny 2 was was they didn't want to do a destiny 2 destiny yeah. 2 was the uh activision yeah um, they they, they wanted like like sequel after sequel after sequel like call of duty it you know or assassin's creed it you know rather than just like use it as like an actual game as a service where you just build upon it um i know that that term kind of uh is triggers people but you know it's like it is that's that's what destiny is it is a game as a service and the point of that is to build upon it. You know, don't make a sequel. You just keep the same game and you just build upon it for years after years. You know, like I'm a huge Rainbow Six Siege fan. And that's what that game is. It's just like it's just free updates. We're probably never, we're probably not going to get another new Rainbow Six game for another, you know, five plus. You know, like probably like close to a decade. You know, um, because they're building upon it. They're not making sequels. But Activision was like, no, let's make this into like a huge franchise and do all this stuff. So they're just gonna update Destiny too, and that thing that's the right move. And then if they want to make a sequel one day, then you know they can do whatever the hell they want without having uh, someone coming in and saying them. So like I said earlier, though, I think it, it's all people just need to kind of relax a little bit. Don't freak out that a company buys another company. It just wait and see like how they manage it. You know, like just wait and see if they are respecting the creative integrity of the developers. And let and just give them support like they're supposed to do. They're not supposed to come in with creative input or pushing them in certain directions and stuff like that. Microsoft's meant to support Bethesda and Machine Games and id Software and all these develop and Arcane and all these other developers. You know, they're not meant to make these super hard creative decisions. You know, um, and that's what it sounds like they're trying to do. Um, at least what Phil, Phil Spencer said, and I, I, I really like Phil Spencer. I trust the guy, so well. But we'll just have to keep them accountable. I think that's another thing. It's just like, hey, relax, let them do their thing, but hold them accountable. And if something does come up though that fans don't like, I think fans should speak out, but don't speak out too early because right now is too early. We don't know what the effects are of like Microsoft buying Zenimax. We don't know if it's going to be a good thing or a bad thing for at least a couple of years. So people just need to hold off before, you know, throwing their Molotovs at them and uh, grabbing their pitchforks. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about, uh, about, about this? I don't think so. I, I mean, I could just go on like huge tangents about like <laughs> how I feel about destiny and, how I feel about all sorts of different things, but um, I don't think that would do anybody any good. They just get bored of me. Yeah. Now I do want to pose one question actually before we get off though, because a lot of people are saying like, "Oh, Sony needs to do a huge acquisition like this." Do you think Sony does? Absolutely not. Agreed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, Sony doesn't have to do anything. Like, Sony's been fine. Like, their first-party output has been fine. Like, they don't. I mean, I I would prefer a little more diversity, um, but yeah. I mean, it kind of looks like they're trying to get onto that track as far as things go. But I I mean, I think Sony's perfectly fine, and they don't need need to acquire anybody. Um, I mean, they just had their acquisition of Insomniac, and I mean that's good enough for them. Like, yeah, Microsoft acquired these studios because they needed to kind of fill in. They needed to fill out their first party portfolio, right? Yeah, and I mean as great as it would be for them to just build a studio from the ground up. I mean, we've seen the initiative now uh, has been working on doing that for two years now, and they still have absolutely nothing to show. And I don't think we're going to see a game from them for another few years. So like, while it would be great, so um, Microsoft kind of needs those studios to be putting first party stuff out in the next couple of years. So it makes more sense for Microsoft to be purchasing things. Whereas Sony is, already in a comfortable place with their first party studios. And I don't think they really need to buy anything. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I like they like, I don't know how anyone could look at uh, where Sony is right now and what PlayStation's at right now and go, they need to buy a company. And it's like, did you not pay attention to this generation of like how they absolutely crushed it? You know, um, 
yeah, I think that's totally unreasonable to expect uh, from them. You know, like, and sure, we might see, we sure we might see an acquisition uh, of sorts, but it's not like oh, it's not going to be at this scale, and they don't they definitely don't need it at all. Like it's like look at this next their first year for PS5. It's like Spider Man. You have um, uh, God of War getting announced. You have uh, Horizon uh, Forbidden West, and it's just like it's like yeah, they're they're fine. Don't don't worry about them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like there's there's like them buying another studios. There's just no point. Like it's just gonna get lost in the fodder at that point. Yeah, exactly. It's just like it's like go go worry about another company that might actually. Uh, have some issues you know don't don't worry about uh playstation they're they'll do just fine to say the least but uh yeah i think that's a good place to end now um but thanks thomas that was a lot of fun yeah it was kind of nice just having a a conversation back and forth i think yeah it was a little bit different episode but you know well we're trying to change things up and uh see how things go we're still like pretty new at this whole revival of the king gamer podcast and such and you know for anyone listening you can always contact us and give us your feedback we will we would want to hear from you you can follow me at legend of zeldon on twitter what about you thomas you can find me at cybersparo on twitter that's s-p-e-r-o um i'm also on twitch at or, i'm sorry <laughs> you can find me on twitch at cybersparo and then on twitter you can find me at final spiro um, but yeah, those are really the only two places you can find me right now. Yeah, of course, King Gamer and such. We have plenty of stuff we're working on. I'm working on uh, some f- very fun stuff soon. And we have some very fun plans for the King Gamer podcast, too. So always stay, stay tuned, and we'll see you later.